0: everyone. We're talking about POV, changing, head-hopping, and story structure. Um, first, I am absolutely not going to discuss the difference between first person, third person, and third person omniscient again. There are a couple shows on that. You guys can go find those shows and just figure that out. It's It's not hard. Stop making it hard. Okay. So, one of the biggest things that new writers do is they head hop because they know what's going on in everybody's head or they want to show the reader what is going on in everybody's head in a scene and it creates confusion and it can be very annoying to the reader. It's going to end up getting you emails. And you can't believe you're doing this. Who do you think you are? You're not Nora Roberts. Nora Roberts is actually kind of famous for head hopping. But what Nora Roberts actually does do is she writes basically from a third person limited point of view. But in some situations, in some of her books, she shifts into a third-person omniscient, which looks like head-hopping and can be jarring um, because she's shifting back and forth between them. And it's, it's just something, it's a writer quirk that she's had since she's been professionally published. And at this point, she's so successful that no editor is going to tell her she can't do it. And that's what it boils down to. But I would like to remind every single one of you that you are not norfucking fucking Roberts. So you don't get to do shit like that. Well, you can. It just won't fly. I mean, you can do it in fan fiction and you might get a couple of naughty comments or you might get an email. Or your fans, your readers might not even notice or care. But if you're interested in, profession, in professional publishing and um, being treated... Seriously, by an editor, it is something that you need to master. You need to master point of view, and you need to master staying in a single character's point of view. Do I always do it? No. Sometimes I fuck up. Nobody's perfect. But going into my second or my third draft, my main objective in my third draft is making sure that my pov is consistent throughout my scenes and throughout my chapters and throughout my entire book am i saying the right things from the right point of view is this scene in the right perspective that is my third draft job i don't do a third draft on fan fiction honestly i rarely do a second draft it's a draft and a beta because it's my hobby and I do it for fun. So, while I put a lot into the front end of my fan fiction as far as plotting and character profiles and figuring out my motivations, on the other end of it, when it comes to editing, I don't invest as much time in that as I would a professional project because I'm not being paid for it. And that I'm mercenary, but I don't care. one more time. I don't care. And whenever somebody offers to do a grammar beta for me, it kind of makes me feel not bad, but like lazy. Because I think to myself, you know what? I probably should do a grammar beta. Eh, maybe not. I'm just not interested. I'm just not interested in doing a grammar beta. <laughs> Because by that point, I've gone through two beta processes, as far as like, um, you know, my betas, and um, it's just the last thing I want to do. It's I, I'm finished with the story. I'm ready to move on. I'm not going to get paid for it, so it isn't like it's a job. It's my hobby, and so it's the last thing I, I, I think about a second or a third draft or um, a beta edit for uh, grammar, which I know. I know. I use semicolons and I shouldn't. I'm inconsistent on the Oxford comma. I never put commas where I'm supposed to. I occasionally use the wrong word. I don't care. So, okay. Professionally publishing your work and um, your POV. One of the things, um, one of the... one of the sins I see in in fandom and I think this is a habit you bring with you when you move into original fiction is that you will change, you will actually, uh, not you personally this is like a general you this is a you in general, not anybody in particular and specifically speaking Um, in order to change POV I don't even know what a comma splice is There was a comment, I'm sorry, on the podcast, there was a comment in the chat room about a comma splice. I'm sure I do it all the time. I don't even know what it actually, I mean, I'll have to look it up to get the actual real definition of a comma splice. I mean, I know it when I see it, but I couldn't actually tell you exactly what it is. Eh, I'm sure I do it all the time. Joining two independent clauses with just a comma. I'm sure I do it. I'm 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 100% positive I do it or I do it without the comma cuz I forget commas all the time. But um <clears throat> you instead of uh trying to transition from one POV to another, the writer will do a scene break or a chapter break. Uh I think it's almost it is a gimmick. It is a gimmick writing technique to switch your POV by chapter. Whether you're doing it in first person or third person. And third person is, is, you can, as a reader, you can accept it, but alternating POV in first person is like literally the worst thing that I can see done in point of view. Oh, oh, it's ugly. Oh, it's uh, it's so ugly. And worse, they'll fucking label their chapters. With the character's name, so that you know you're in Joe's point of view, or you know you're in Natalie's point of view, or whatever. I want to just know. If you have to label your story to tell your reader what point of view you're in, you've got big problems. You've got problems that transcend point of view. This is almost as bad as an author note smack dab in the middle of your narrative. What It is an, it is an author note smack dab in the middle of your narrative. What is wrong with you? Don't do that shit. Don't do that shit. Just don't. And if you feel like you have to explain something in the middle of your narrative, reconsider using it at all. I am so serious. What is... What? No. What are you doing? No. Don't do that. Don't do it. It is jarring to use a scene break to switch your point of view. If you are only Doing a scene break for the express purpose of switching your point of view—you are bad, bad, bad author. Bad authors, go go sit in the corner. I used to do it. I did it all the time when I was young. I didn't know any better. I learned. I still do fucked up things. I'm, I'm not going to say different, but the 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 POV thing and the scene break. A scene break indicates a break in time, a change in location. So, your reader, when they see the little stars, or they see the little dashes, whatever how you want to do it, when they see that, they expect a new scene. They don't expect it to, your characters to still be in the same place, and it still be the same time, and your and the only thing different about the entire situation is a change in POV. It is jarring and it is unnecessary. If you can't transition in the middle of a scene from one point of view to another n- smoothly, don't do it at all. Oh, that's ugly, but just don't do it. If you can't, if you can't find a natural place to transition into a different character's point of view, you need to ask yourself: Do you really want to? Do you really need? Does your story need it, or do you want to do it personally? Are you, are you writing in the wrong point of view to begin with? Is is that why you want to switch? And if so, do you need to rewrite the whole scene from a different point of view? So these are the things you need to ask yourself. Alternating POVs by chapter, which is mentioned in um, Chestnut Nola's question this evening, is um, is gimmick writing. Uh, it, it's, it kind of reminds me of those books in the 80s where it would be his and hers, and on one side of the book it would be his story, and if you literally flip the book over, it would be her side of the story. And then you tell you the same story on both sides. Now that isn't the same thing as just changing POV. You're you're moving from one character to another. But I think that um restricting yourself to a single point of view per chapter when you're writing in third person limited and you have more than one POV to choose from. If you're doing that, you can create pace problems and you can create um situations where your plot is not being framed properly. So you need to be super careful if you use a gimmick like that. And I don't and I don't mean gimmick to be insulting or um to be uh to be viewed as uh inappropriate. It is perfectly okay to use a gimmick like that to kind of set your story apart and to um Situate it in a way that is interesting and fun. But the other side of it is, is, if you go too far, you're going to irritate your reader. Or if you're in a situation where you're trying to get published, the editor might be sincerely put off by the, um, by the situation that you've developed in your book. So if you're going to have alternating points of view in your story instead of a single character point of view throughout, um, you need to make uh, savvy and thoughtful decisions about how you use your POVs. Um, it is super important, especially like in um, suspense and in thrillers, to to stay as much as possible into your protagonist's um, point of view. If you're writing a romance, you need to um, – romance is written for women, so – If you're writing a het romance, you need to stay primarily in the woman's point of view. And um, alternate with the the hero only. You don't need um, secondary character points of view. You don't need a kid's point of view. You don't need a fucking dog's point of view. You really do not need a dog's point of view. I've seen this. Don't do that shit. I think if you're writing like... You have to pay attention to the genre you're writing in and and how it's working and what you're going to do with it and how the story is going to be structured. If you're writing a suspense or a murder mystery, you might have a couple of scenes Um, from the killer's point of view, or, you know, wherever, you know, the bad guy's point of view, but they need to be brief unless your reader already knows who the bad guy is, and that's the difference between a mystery and a suspense. A suspense, most often your reader already has a really good idea of who the bad guy is. In a mystery, they don't know to the end, or they shouldn't know to the end with your big, Sherlock Holmes reveal. That's a mystery. So a suspense, you can introduce your um, your bad guy really early on and give the reader glimpses of them throughout the entire story. Uh, but a mystery, you need to keep your bad guy a secret from your reader while still supplying clues to your main character to give structure to your story and to give... Um, credence to your ending so that it doesn't look like you just plucked that out of the blue. You need to back up with evidence. (laughs) I I read a good short story where the POV was a table. I, too, once read a short story in the Stargate fandom where it was a table's POV. John and Rodney were fucking on it on this table. And then there was also a story set where the jumpers were having a conversation about uh Johnny Rodney and they were totally shipping it. They were totally shipping it. But these are um these are fandom specific situations that could not legitimately exist in a professional writing environment. These are not things that you could Um, You could not sell a story from a table's point of view. I want to believe deep down in my soul that you could not sell a story from a table's point of view. I really want to believe that 100%. You need to stick with humans. Humans. Well, the thing is, is it's like you know, you you go through um, your career and you're thinking, no, 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 this is how it works, this is how it works, and then you encounter something that you never thought in a million years you would encounter, and you think to yourself, what the fuck is this? And I'm not going to give you a specific example because um, I don't want to come off as bashing or anything, but. Um, Sometimes I will encounter something on Amazon and I'll think to myself, oh, please, that has to be self-published. Oh, my God, it's not self-published. St. Martin's, what were you thinking? Oh, I used the name. I didn't use an author name. These these fun kind of POVs really have no place in a professional, but then, you know, I never thought I would see, they are self-published, but there's those dinosaur fucking books on Amazon, I just, just blow my mind, self-published, doing very well, um, just, what, it's just, you just, and every time, every single time I think about those dinosaur books, I think about Emma Blackery, reading them on, um, her YouTube channel, and at one point she does the little um, T-Rex arms while she's reading, and taken by the T-Rex, and it makes me laugh my ass off. Oh my god, I cannot. And her little arms, she's got her little arms up by her chest, and she's shaking them like a T-Rex. It's just oh oh god, that is so funny. It's not professionally published. I promise. It might be viewed as even satire. <laughs> I'm not a dirty bastard. That's right. You, if you've not listened to Emma Blackery or watched Emma Blackery's video on Taken, um, Taken by the T-Rex, you need to take your ass over to YouTube after my show and put up and put in the search box "Taken by the T-Rex" by Emma Blackery, B-L-A-C-K-E-R-Y. I, you will not regret it. Just make sure you have your headphones on because it is actually worse than anything um, you might hear on my radio show. So if you're one of those people who listens on um, headphones or uh, speakers and you're like in an apartment, you do not want your neighbors to accidentally hear her reading taken by the T-Rex over your computer. So put your fucking headphones on. I'm so serious. Blackery. B-L-A-C-K-E-R-Y. Blackery. I, uh, just, she, (laughs) Jilly has a link up in the chat room. I'm gonna put, I'm not putting the link in my, in my, um, in, in my podcast. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not gonna do it. But, um, look it up, um, on YouTube and you will find it and, um, you will not regret it as long as you wear your headphones. And don't drink anything or eat anything or even think about drinking or eating anything throughout the entire YouTube video. Just put all that stuff on the side. Don't, don't put anything in your mouth. Don't put anything in your mouth. Obey the Azure Rule. Ravished by the Triceratops. There's a whole section of those books. And sometimes you'll see things on Amazon, you know... Zombie erotica, dinosaur erotica—you know you're gonna see these things, but um, you you can't take them seriously, um, you just can't. Please don't take them seriously. So please don't try to write professionally from a table point of view, from a tables point of view, um, unless that table is a shape-shifting alien. even then, even then I'm, I'm not sure it's a good idea. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really not. Uh, you want to be, uh, conservative with your POV switches. Um, I rarely switch my POV more than once in a scene. Um, I try to limit myself to two points of view in a chapter. Um, Sometimes I might have to do a third if if I have an alternate scene at a different location with different characters, but those are done sparingly, especially in professional projects. I let myself get away with a lot in fan fiction that I would never do professionally because it's my hobby, and I get to fuck around and play with things and and do things and, and write things that I could not write professionally. Um... Give you an example. I <laughs> my my agent, this was about four years ago. My agent says that there's this company looking for for gay romance, and she says, "So you write that? Why don't you send me one?" So I sent her one, and she sent it back to me, and she said, well, not literally, but she emailed me back, and she said, "Good Lord, that was explicit." <laughs> And this is a one. Good lord, that was explicit. Uh, So even like when it comes to writing erotica and and writing what I would consider porn um, professionally, there are lines uh, that, when you're looking at New York houses, that are difficult to cross if you're not a big name. And I'm not a big name. I never will be. I have no interest in being one. I um, I'm I'm very comfortable where I am on that front. Uh, So, you know, and I don't even think, I mean, if Nora Roberts tried to publish explicit anal sex, she might get an eyebrow to raise and it would be like, so Nora, would you like a new pen name? (laughs) Well, they might not say, we're not publishing this. They probably would say, can we not publish this under Nora Roberts, please? (laughs) We aren't sure, because she kept the J.D. Robb pen name for, um, secret for a little bit before it came out, then she was writing suspense as J.D. Robb. So, I had heard once that a lot of, you know, I've got three, four professional pen names, uh, just because I don't think you should write, uh, uh, there are lines I don't think you should cross. I mean, I don't think that... Um, I, I think your audience is is different and and you need to respect that. Like um I wouldn't write a gay romance in my um in my primary uh pen name because my audience isn't um for that. I mean, it's a suspense audience. They they don't have any interest in that. I wouldn't write Suspense in my historical pen name because again they they don't have any I mean it's just to keep a, just I have a demarcation there just to keep things separate and like you know when I see a writer writing erotica and say YA with the same pen name I I'm like dude no don't do that because what if your what if one of those kids who reads your YA book gets on Amazon and finds your pen name and they're downloading Taken by the (laughs) T-Rex to read it because they like you and and they liked your book that you wrote and they're so excited to see a new book from you and they have no idea what they're downloading and their parents don't know either because lots of parents don't even pay attention to what their kids buy on Kindle. And because I had to lecture my sister about that shit because my nephew my oldest one was downloading Erotica, the free stuff on Amazon. She didn't know she didn't she wasn't even paying attention. So I had to hook his Amazon up to mine so I could monitor his buying to make sure he wasn't buying porn. He was thirteen. There's a lot of free porn on Amazon. Anyways, that was a lecture you guys didn't need. Um, So, you know, just... If you're going to write YA and you're going to write something like erotica or or whatever, I think it's a very good idea to have two different pen names. That's that's just all I'm saying. You don't want kids to stumble across your zombie porn or whatever you might have written to make money. Because we all do that. So... I think that, um, back to the subject at hand about about POVs, um, I'm sure it's squishy, and I'm sure there's lots of eating, um, in, in zombie porn, you think I'm making it up, but there actually is zombie porn on Amazon, um, I'm not even, I'm being so serious, I uh just pay attention to your to your genre and and the audience that you're writing for. Uh if you're writing a YA, you need to write from a young person's point of view. Um oh, oh Azra, go sit in the corner. I can't believe you just put that in the I just what? I can't believe you just put that in the chat room. In the corner. oh I can't even repeat that. <laughs> I will because the people on the podcast are going to be cussing me out. She said meat curtains in 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 reference to zombie porn and purple prose. I hope you're as disgusted as I am. Anyways, if you're not, I don't want to know about it. If you're not disgusted, I don't want to know. So don't don't send me any emails. Um, you need to have respect for your story structure and your plot when it comes to your POV. Make sure that your POV is serving your plot and it's not serving your own vanity as a writer. Uh, I, I do this. I, I have to pay attention to it when it's a project that I'm going to be selling because I, um, I like to write. I like to, to write a lot of words and you might have noticed. And, um, I'm not afraid of writing big, but big doesn't sell. So you need to be concise. You need to monitor not only your POV and your structure and, you know, make sure that your POV and your plot are dovetailing together, but you need to watch your word economics. And including everybody's POV is not good word economics. And also, you don't need to tell a scene over and over and over again for five different points of view. That has to be the most annoying reading experience ever. Don't do that shit. Just just don't. POV and respect your choice. If you're going to do something like um, alternating POVs by chapter... You need to make sure that when you do that that it is actually serving your plot and you're not doing it um as a uh um as as a crutch but it because sometimes i i crutch on um if I'm stuck in a scene, I'll rewrite it from a character I'm really comfortable with, even if it doesn't serve my plot and then I'll have to rewrite it again and it'll be really annoying because it I didn't need that character point of view there, but it was easier to write in that character point of view, which is a crutch, and we all do it. And it will create, as Jilly just said in the chat room, an artificial structure in your story where you your reader feels like they're on solid ground, but they're not. And it's going to fall apart. Your pacing will be terrible. And these are all things that you, you have to pay attention to when you're writing to be published. Uh, when you're writing fan fiction, um this is going to be one of those do as I say not as I do things because I wrote original first. So I I don't I don't allow my bad habits in fan fiction to translate into my professional works. Uh but if you're using fan fiction to develop yourself as a writer, it is a very good idea to start having really good habits about your pacing and your structure and your scene transitions and your character transitions and character profiles and your character point of view. When you translate, I think that in modern fiction writing, uh, your reader expects you to have a scene break. So you don't have to transition from one scene to another. And because they've come to expect a scene break, if you don't provide a scene break, it can lead to confusion. Like if you're moving your character from one scene to another and you walk them down the hall and they get in their car and they go somewhere. And this is a scene that's apparently never going to end. It is better to end that scene with your character getting ready to leave, and then do a hard scene break with your dot 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 or your stars or your dashes, and then have your character arrive wherever the next scene is going to be. The only time that you're transitioning in a single scene, and you have to translate you know, transition from a different from a different POV, and the best way I've found to do that is to have your first POV character disengage some way. Um, either physically or uh, emotionally, like have an outburst if that works, or go quiet on the person who they're speaking with, Um Like, say for instance in a scene where John and Rodney are having an argument and you start the argument in Rodney's point of view and he gets to the point where he's so upset he can no longer speak and he gets up and he turns and he turns away from John and you can end Rodney's point of view right there and then and then just smoothly move into John's point of view as he's staring at Rodney's back trying to figure out what he can say to get this conversation back on the table so if you move your characters around physically in your scene you can create a structure that allows you to transition from one point of view to the other um so that it doesn't look it so that it isn't jarring and and if you do it really well your reader isn't even going to notice a pov change in that they're not going to stumble, they're not going to falter over it or pause because you've transitioned so smoothly. And the best way to do that, I find, is through physical action of some kind. If you move your character or if they throw up their hands or they turn their head or they just stop speaking and you, and you comment on that, on on their physical action, it creates a falling action moment in your scene where you can transition from one character to another on point of view. I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense you guys in the chat room? It creates a um a, a physicality to your scene where you can separate your characters and shift into a different point of view without trying to do um a scene break or having somebody leave and the story take, you know move on to something else and it creates um depth to your scene structure, which is super important when you're building um uh, an emotional impact scene like that, like an argument where, and in some situations, an argument can, can, can lead to a deal breaker. So when you're moving through a scene and you're doing an argument, um, you can do that. And another way to transition is to have one character um, wait until that second character is alone in the room so like say John and Rodney are having that argument and Rodney gets so fed up that he just stands up and he leaves and you're left there with John so that's a natural transition into John's point of view because Rodney is no longer in the room and if you don't follow Rodney out of the room then you've transitioned to a different point of view automatically because you're still in the room with John and so is your reader Oh, that makes sense anyways, that's about really all I had to say on that. I think maybe um just um be careful if you're gonna do something gimmicky um if if you're gonna make um risky choices like a table's point of view or uh just. <laughs> Professionally, it's just a really, really bad idea. And because if you do that with an editor, they're going to remember you for the rest of their lives, but it will not be a good way to be remembered. But like, oh, she's that lady that sent in the book about the table. And they won't even read what you send next. So a lot of times your first manuscript to an editor is an introduction. And you want to put on, you want to put your best foot forward, and you want to put on your best craft and Sit down at the table with this editor, metaphorically speaking, and show them what you're capable of. And a gimmick book isn't a good way to go un- uh, unless you're trying to write satire. And so, just be careful with your um, with with your choices on that. And uh, while I never recommend being conservative in any other way, I do recommend it when it comes to point of view. And um, sharing your scenes with more than one character point of view and your word economics, because remember that, um, professionally speaking, unless you're writing sci-fi, it is extremely difficult to publish anything. Sci-fi and fantasy, um, can go over a hundred really easily and no one blinks an eye. But when it comes to, um, Mainstream fiction, um, romance, suspense, they're going to want you to stay under 100K, which is going to be difficult to do if you have a plot big enough for a book and you're putting everybody and their dogs POV in it. So, mind your word economics, it's super important. You guys have a great evening. I don't know what tomorrow's show will be about, I'll think of something. And I'll catch you later.